Today is Thursday, February 29. This is the Daily News Record Bottom Line Podcast, and I'm your host, Jillian Lynch. Today, Lisa Landrum, the Daily News Record public safety reporter, is joining me to discuss some of her recent stories. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you please tell me about some of your recent coverage? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm the public safety beat reporter, so I am trying to um, educate the community on safety concerns and make sure everyone's safe out there. So one of the topics that I um, spoke about recently was Middle River Regional Jail. I had um, three formerly incarcerated individuals, um, women, that were actually um, met with me to review some of their concerns that they had around contraband, rules, programs, uh, personal resources, lockdown, uh, misuse of segregation in the in the um, jail, uh, lack of resources, and then the quality of life surrounding like food, water, and visitation. Um, so they all expressed their concerns. And then I also met with uh, Colonel Eric Young of Middle River Jail and spoke with him about some of those claims who he mentioned that there is a um, oversighting board that governs over the um, jail there that has checked out the jail and make sure that everything is um, okay. That's great, Lisa. Thank you. And tell me more about your recent centerpiece about safety in the arts uh, with regard to concerts. Yeah, so this was a fun uh, spent on safety in the community. So I'm looking at safety throughout the arts, and this particular piece was talking about the lead singer of Crab Action and Corrode, um, Grant, and he kind of reviewed some of the safety concerns that musicians have, which include back issues from moving um, gear and sound systems throughout each venue, and then also some concerns specifically with drummers because they are very physically active um, as opposed to a singer who's also active but um, not using his legs and arms as much Um, and then we went heavily into hearing concerns and the different types of gear that you can purchase which is a little bit harder for a vocalist because earplugs and things like that distort the sound of your voice. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit harder for vocalists to use ear protection than it might be for um, those that are playing instruments. And um, an interesting tidbit that I learned throughout it um, was Grant was talking about how a drummer is not amplified, their, their instrument isn't amplified, so mm-hmm. then therefore they kind of set the tone of the level of noise for the rest of the band, which I never really thought of. Um, so he plays in a punk rock and heavy metal band, so mm-hmm. the level of their drummer is obviously um, a little bit louder, so that kind of makes the other um, musicians play a little bit louder too, which impacts hearing and safety issues as well. Fantastic. And finally, um, can you just provide a little background on your coverage of HPD's move to collectively bargain, which um, for our readers who haven't read the story, uh, was collectively vetoed by city council at its latest meeting? Yeah, so with that piece um, of information, Andy Banks, the city manager, and then Chris Brown, the attorney, 
um, in Harrisonburg all provided reasons against collective bargaining and why they voted no. Um, and those reasons were that the city council already increases compensation for other employees and does studies to ensure that, you know, their pay rates are on level of other um, cities as well. But then also that the cost associated with collective bargaining would be too high. And then their third point was that they uh, plan to increase police staffing already so that that shouldn't be an issue for them. And then their for the fourth um, reasoning was the possible division that it could cause between HPD itself and then HPD and other city employees because they would not be utilized, uh, utilizing collective bargaining. So with HPD, um, the Harrisonburg Police Department, they also responded to each one of those allegations. Um, and most of them are points are that they do acknowledge that they have compensation that increases their salary, but I guess there's some concern around when um, administrative changes hands, um, that that's not guaranteed to look the same way as it does with the people who are in um, power at the time. Um, and then also they don't, they kind of dispute the research about the cost of collective bargaining because they never saw any kind of research on claims on how they broke those numbers down. So there was a little bit of concern on their area in their um, point of view about that. And then they also um, talked about the increased police staffing, which they feel that they don't have an increase um, police staffing now. A lot of their police officers are in training and um, so their numbers are a little bit skewered with what they're disputing there as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, they don't feel like it would create any kind of division. Um, a majority of the Harrisonburg Police Department actually voted to collective bargain, so they don't see any um, division among the police department and they can't speak to the city because it hasn't happened yet, so they don't know if there would be division or not. Um, but the Harrisonburg Police Department did join a Harrisonburg-Rockingham chapter of the Virginia Police Belovenant Association, and their first meeting was February the 15th, and they plan to be a part of this, um, this committee, regardless of the fact that they were voted against collective bargaining. And as your story mentioned, Harrisonburg City offered an alternative, is that right, for yeah. HPD? Yeah, so as the vote was no, but it was also voted that they explore new ways to keep the lines of communication between the administrative staff and city manager and the Harrisonburg Police Department. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been Jillian Lynch and Lisa Landrum with the Bottom Line Podcast at the Daily News Record, signing off.